It's time for with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. Probably not going to shake him this time until we get a definitive answer. But Jeff Brom, the Louisville, has been the rumors. Uh, we've got Tom Deanhart again from GoldenBlack.com on with us. Tom, uh, a pleasure talking with you. Uh, there's rumors of a 3 o'clock meeting happening right now. So give me, what do we know about Jeff Brom? Is he going to Louisville? Is it up in the air? What do we know for sure right now? Well, I mean, we obviously had the press conference this morning over at Mackey where Jeff Brown was there with Mike Bobinski, the AD, to talk about the bowl game. Well, we had a lot more to talk about than just the bowl game, obviously, with news that have broken this morning about Scott Satterfield obviously leaving Louisville to take the Cincinnati job. That uh, unlocked or the job for uh, – or it opened up the job at Louisville. So uh, speculation began. And, um, yeah, 3 o'clock meeting today here, probably just getting ready to get underway and you know, not sure of all the details at the meeting, what's going to actually be discussed, but, you know, just something to be on alert about, I guess. I, I try to walk through the scenarios of what would happen. I, I feel like this is a very condensed timeline to uh, figure out, like, what, an hour before a press conference here, do the press conference, uh, tell us there's no contact, then make a deal, and then schedule a 3 o'clock meeting. Seems like a really condensed timeline. The other thing that got me, too, here is Jeff Brom has said, you know, he was recruiting last week. He's going to be recruiting again this week. He says there's been no contact. I, you've been around him an awful lot, Tom. He's not a guy that, uh, that you know, minces words. He's very straightforward. I've never known him to really lie about things. Uh, I, when he says that there's been no contact and that, uh, you know, he doesn't know anything about it, do you believe him? I don't know. I mean, you, you, you can get around a lot of things with your words, I guess. Uh, just take everything at face value. There's a lot of double talk in these situations, and schools work through agents, and Matt, maybe you didn't directly talk with somebody, so you can say that, but long story short, it just seems like it was a matter of not if, but when this, this does occur. Uh, the Jeff Brom to Louisville speculation has been going on for, it seems like, 100 years, and, and here we are again, looking at squirrely in the face, and I guess I would be shocked if he didn't go. And you know what, if that is the case, in you know, six years, I think he's done a heck of a job here. He's rehabbed the program, gotten it back on very solid footing, done a lot of very good things. And uh, if he wants to move on, it would be hard to begrudge him to go back home, you know. Uh, if he does stay, that, that's great, too. He can continue to build what's going on here at Purdue. But whatever happens, we need some type of closure here very soon because this is a critical time with the portal open now, with the signing day coming up later this month, bowl game preparation. There's a lot going on. Yeah, today is that portal day, too, and uh, Purdue already suffering a big loss into that portal today, I saw. Is, uh, they lost a starting offensive lineman. Uh, what did you hear about Spencer Holstage? I mean, he had the little announcement on uh, on Twitter I saw this morning. Was that a shock to you, and uh, what do you take away from that announcement? Stunning, and it stunned a lot of people on the team from what I heard. 
Nobody saw this coming at all. Nobody saw Spencer Holsters jumping in the portal. Very big loss. Redshirt Jr. is a key cog on that offensive line. Ernst Amandro mentioned all Big Ten honors this year. A solid program guy. Not only a good player, but a good person and a good soldier. A kind of guy you want on your team. So for him to leave and hit the portal, um, it was shocking and, and disappointing if you're a Purdue fan. I was really taken back by it because it was just a position that it's got a little bit of depth, don't get me wrong, but it's not like he was fighting for time or, you know, that it seemed like he had uh, any issues with what was going on with the, you know, coaches staff or anything like that, just kind of uh, out of nowhere. Uh, we, we've talked, and I know you've written extensively on goldenblack.com about guys you think uh, might be back for a, uh, uh, another season or, or, or might hit the portal. Uh, you had a list of, oh gosh, maybe like seven or eight guys, maybe especially like seniors and stuff. Uh, is there anybody else we should keep an eye out uh, that we might be familiar with in the portal, uh, possibly going in for Purdue? Any, any rumors or any positions you feel like uh, we may see per- Purdue needs a, a little bit of help once uh, its own players show up in the portal? I, I guess anything's possible at this point. I mean, uh, you know, there's all types of wild speculation out there now. I, I don't want to start throwing names against the wall, but I think I think anybody jumping the portal wouldn't be a shock at this point. So, yeah, that's why I think you need to get some closure here, and everybody needs to know what the future looks like sooner rather than later. So, guys who want to make those decisions can make them known who their head coach is going to be, what direction the program is going. So, again, either Jeff Brown has to say I'm staying, or he has to move on, and Purdue has to get a coach in here uh, pronto. And I got to imagine Mike Bobinski and the whole crew over there along Northwestern Avenue, and knew this was coming at some point. Probably been vetting people all season, honestly. And I'm sure they have a short list. I'm sure they've already talked to people, and I'm sure they're probably ready to move on somebody should this indeed break open. Tell me who, if this were to happen, uh, obviously you would probably need an interim coach in, in the time being. Who would you hand the uh, reins of the program over to? And then who should Mike Bobinski have on his short list in your estimation? I mean, there's a couple guys on the staff who've been head coaches that could easily be an interim if you needed. You know, um, Ron English obviously has been a head coach at Eastern Michigan. Uh, David Elson, the linebackers coach, was a head coach as well. Those are just a couple guys I think that can more than adequately you know run a team on an interim basis if you need. Even Mark Hagan, he's never been a head coach, but he's respected enough I think to uh, to run it on an interim basis too. So those would be some guys I would look at. And yeah, as far as names go. Well, it could be all over the board, I guess, and um, we're working on a hot board right now. So if, indeed, this thing opens up, we'll have that hot board up pretty soon, and you know, fans can log on and see who we think could be that one of those targets. This is, uh, boy, this is all super shocking, and I, I, I want to make it clear, and I'm sure you'll, you'll tell me here, too. I mean, it's the lure of the... Uh, the Louisville job is, is not necessarily about any kind of money or anything like that. I mean, this is purely... Jeff Brom went there. Jeff's dad went there. Jeff's brothers both went there. I mean, they're from there. I mean, that's the allure of the job for them. There, there's nothing like Purdue can just kind of come back over the top of an offer to, to keep its head coach, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they need to sweeten the pot or give him any mega deal anyway, honestly. He, he, they don't need to go back and just give him $9 million a year like we've seen so many schools do at Kentucky with, with Mark Stoops and, you know, Mel Tucker at, at, at Michigan State. Some of these, the new, the new, the new line seems to be $9 million a year, and I, I don't think Purdue needs to sweeten the pot. If he wants to leave, leave at this point. Like I said, the flirtation's gone on long enough. He obviously has his eyes elsewhere, and 
just let him go if he wants to go. And, and again, it's the siren song of going home again. You know, like you said, he grew up there. His dad played quarterback there. The family's got deep roots there. They all still have houses there. So it was just, again, it was just a matter of time. So we'll see if this indeed happens or not. If it doesn't happen, again, more power to Jeff Brom. He can stay and continue to build with what he's done, what he's done here in six years. And, of course, coming into that new extension here as well, if uh, he ends up staying here too. Tom Deanhart from goldandblack.com. Um, are, are you getting excited? By the way, there was that bowl conference here today. Did we learn anything uh, about this uh, Citrus Bowl, this matchup with LSU? Did uh, coaches or... No, we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't learn anything. No, it's, <laughs> it's so far away, and who knows by the time we get there. This thing could look a lot different by January 2nd. Well, it's a uh, turbulent day with uh, a lot of news around Purdue football. And, uh, Tom, I know you're very busy. You're very nimble with all this stuff. We'll keep an eye on you on uh, Twitter for some official words. We'll find out what happens in this meeting today. Uh, and, uh, buddy, you know I always appreciate getting the calls from you. Love talking football with you. Uh, good luck today with that hot board. We'll be looking forward to that as well. All right. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Take care, Tom. There you go, Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com. Um, so, yeah, uh, nothing official. Louisville did hold a, uh, a press conference today. They named Dion Branch their interim head coach. Uh, they're inside two weeks before they play that game out there at Fenway um, against Cincinnati, too, right? Oh, jeez. So, I mean, they at least have an interim head coach in, in the meantime. Uh, what happens with Jeff Brom until then? Uh, again, there was a players' meetings Tom had uh, alluded to at 3 o'clock. Uh, should be going on right now. We'll keep an eye out on Twitter. We'll see if we see anything uh, definitive either way. It is portal day, too. Everybody's going into the portal. Coaches are into the portal looking uh, for players. As Tom said, you know, this is a very important week. Uh, you need to be in on these guys on the first, what, uh, 48 hours or so, starting to make overtures at places that you need. But they don't want to go someplace that they don't know as a head coach or not. And, of course, you've got your current players who may be thinking about a move. If this program doesn't have a head coach, maybe they don't want to wait to see who is going to be the new head coach. A lot of stuff up in the air. Absolutely lots of stuff up in the air. Uh, my gut still said that he wasn't going, but you listen to Tom, and you know, Tom wasn't definitive about it. I, I've talked to Tom I don't know how many times, but you can clearly tell he's a little... A little flabbergasted by uh, everything here. It's uh, it's an interesting day in Purdue sports, that's for sure. So again, we'll, we'll keep an eye out here. We'll see what happens. I, I we got nothing right now, but we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye out. We got a break. All right, hang tight. Bobby Buckets, Bobby Riddell, going to come up next. We're going to talk to him about Purdue basketball. Uh, this team uh, is up to number four. Nationally, the net rankings are out as well today, and he had a course side seat for that beatdown of Minnesota. And of course, you know, made the trip out to Portland as well. I'm interested to find out how much he thought, um, just being around the players, that time change from Portland back to the East Coast and then the early arrival into Tallahassee, how much that affected Purdue going into that Florida State game. We'll talk with him about this team and more. That is coming up next. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. I'm Jared Jessalitis. Over to our Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline we go. And uh, you know him, you love him. Former Harrison star, former Purdue star. Now uh, he does the uh, Keller side there on the Purdue radio broadcast for Purdue basketball. Bobby Buckets is back with us. Bob, uh, always great to uh, have you here and uh, another great week for Purdue basketball. Uh, first off, what was your, uh, how, how was Portland for you, man? Did you enjoy Portland for the PK 85? 
Hi, Jared. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I did. It was great. Certainly the results for the Boilermakers were awesome, and that uh, made the trip super fun. Those multi-team events, you know, pre-conference. If your team struggles uh, and you're languishing in some random city, uh, certainly over a holiday as well, it's, it's not as fun. But when your team is thriving, it makes those trips uh, super enjoyable. So, yeah, that was that was a blast. Uh, you know, got to see some of the city a little bit here or there. There was a, a fun local donut shop called Voodoo Donuts that I think has some popularity that uh, we hit up a couple times to enjoy. And then um, we had a nice family team-wide Thanksgiving dinner Saturday evening, uh, the day we had off out there. So that was that was a nice meal as well. And um, obviously beating those quality opponents the way we did was super satisfactory. So all, all good on that front. And then we had the quick turnaround down to Florida State, some crazy travel, you know, time, uh, doing some time changing and getting in at weird hours. So big props to the players, uh, even though that Florida State team is struggling. Big props to the players for uh, getting it done in the second half there to pull away late. And then obviously uh, came back home and took care of business against Minnesota. So Oilers flying high. How bad was that time change there going from Portland and then back home for essentially what? Because it, it was a real late travel day getting in on uh, on Sunday night, right? And then uh, you, you had to try to get acclimated Monday, Tuesday, and then back down to Florida State. And that was a late flight uh, Tuesday night. I think we got in like Wednesday at like one thirty in the morning. Um, you're around the players. You see the players and stuff. How, how much of that uh, time change do you think affected them going into that Florida State game? I mean, I know I know myself personally. Like, I was definitely out of it. Like, I felt um, I was struggling for sure. So I can't imagine. And all I have to do is sit there and talk when I do the radio. So <laughs> I can't imagine how some of those players uh, were feeling, you know, and a lot of them had to come back and go to class. Uh, that day we got back from Portland at 5.30 a.m., uh, so I'm, I'm sure they mixed in some naps and things of that nature uh, in between classes and practice. But, yeah, it was definitely a lot, you know, between the time change and just getting in at those weird hours, uh, sitting on, you know, some planes for long periods of time, um, sitting at the airport waiting for uh, weather to pass so the uh, flight from Des Moines to Purdue could get there so we could take off the Tallahassee. It was just – it was a lot of stuff. and But in the end, you know, we – are obviously uh, spoiled as far as how we travel. So uh, it could be worse, but it was definitely some, some weird circumstances uh, with just everything from a time change to the quick turnarounds. And I'm sure the players were feeling it. I, it seemed like they were sluggish out the gates against Florida State. And, and they were playing a Florida State team that, even though their record's bad, they they have some talent. Certainly in the starting lineup, they have some talent. And, and they were obviously a desperate team looking for a marquee win to jumpstart their season against a top five opponent. So I felt like for our team to be able to, you know, get the job done there in the second half was, you know, huge. And obviously you don't want that bad loss on your resume. So um, proud of our guys for taking care of business. We're talking with Bobby Riddell here on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Purdue coming off an 89-70 win yesterday against the Golden Gophers where Zach Eady not only uh, shot more free throws than Minnesota did combined, uh, but also uh, out-rebounded. Minnesota as a team. Just absolutely phenomenal work out of the big guy. 31 and 22. Uh, we were talking, or at least uh, before we went on the air here, you mentioned you know, we, we have the best player in the country. You think Zach Eady is the best player in the country right now? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm biased, but I just feel like his level of dominance and against the level of opponent he's been doing it against uh, has been second to none. 
Uh, he's been produced uh, Ken Palm MVP each each and every game. Um, he's putting up statistics I saw yesterday that haven't been done since Michael Beasley in 2008 um, as far as just the number of statistics he's putting up game in, game out, So and some of the averages he has. So, yeah, I think Zach's playing at an extremely high level. His confidence appears to be through the roof. And uh, he's just an absolute force. I mean, it's, it's honestly – Shaq level dominance, you know, from a college standpoint, as far as just utilizing his absolute dominance from a size and strength standpoint, whether that's scoring or whether that's getting um, off the, you know, boards off the glass, you know, particularly on the offensive end. Uh, a missed shot sometimes is not the worst thing for us because Zach is just right there. And it's, you know, if they try to box him out with one guy, it's not enough. And it, it's been really fun to watch him just absolutely dominate teams <laughs> what what is what's happened with him like where is something happened with the process is it a confidence thing that i mean this is a heck of a glow up as the kids say i mean from 14 points to 23 points a game and and the level of dominance i, I look he looked good last year don't get me wrong but i mean this is not right. the same player that we saw uh even in march of uh last season I, it just seems like it's a whole new level what do you attribute to that too yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good point. I think it's been a perfect storm for him this year, uh, positively, as far as, as you pointed out, I think last year he had stretches where he was dominant and probably could have had more stretches, of course, if he um, was not in a timeshare with Travion Williams. You know, Travion had his fair share of stretches of being dominant, too. So there was a lot of give and take there, and I think obviously Zach would have been uh, the guy playing 30 minutes a game last year instead of 20, he would have had additional stretches of, of being dominant and maybe wouldn't be as surprised. But I do think it is pretty clear, as you point out as well, that he's made in, improvements from last season. I think his body is, is the best it's ever looked as far as um, just a lean, mean fighting machine. Uh, he, he seems to be moving. His mobility appears to be the best it's ever been. Um, I think he's just physically in the best shape he's ever been, which has allowed him to not only continue to be the force offensively, because I feel like we saw him be an offensive force last year a lot, mm -hmm. but I think defensively is where he's made the most strides. Uh, you know, he's still going to have issues from time to time on the perimeter against quicker people. You know, we saw yesterday, I think it was the first possession of the game, um, Minnesota's small forward who, who Zach was playing against, Joseph, was able to dribble past him and get to the rim for a layup. Uh, and that was probably just the case of Zach maybe not fully uh, being, you know, ready for that uh, guy to attack him that way. But I think overall his mobility defensively is much improved. He's, his rim protection has been elite this year, and he's just deterred so much uh, shot making and, and even attempts around the rim. So uh, I, I think uh, it was just a perfect storm as far as him getting better and getting more opportunity. We're talking with Bobby Riddell here on our Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. You were at the game, and, of course, you're calling everything. But uh, Fletcher Lawyer had 20 points and 8 assists yesterday. And that's how, good Zach, that's how good Zach was yesterday. We're not even talking about Fletcher Lawyer dropping 20 points. Um, I'm not saying that he's unheralded. and I know the fan base loves him. But still, uh, just to watch his progress from game one to where he's been at right now, uh, that is... He's just such a weapon. I keep on seeing fans tell me that they think that not only does he shoot the three well, we know that, but he's so great on the on the drive, right? He'll take you off the dribble and take it to the hole like a, a player that Purdue hasn't had. I mean, 
Yeah, Ryan Klein found a little bit of that his senior year, but not like this. I'm with you. It's it's incredible what he's done so far, you know, certainly because of what Zach's doing, and then even uh, Braden Smith to some degree as far as how well he's came out um, this season You know, with the ball in his hands a lot at that point guard position. Fletch has kind of uh, gone under the radar there as far as the production he's had, and uh, he's been tremendous. That 20-point, 8-assist, no-turnover game yep. is really awesome stuff high-level basketball by a freshman to put up that sort of production and, and not turn the ball over. I know that's music to Coach Painter's ears. And as you pointed out, you know, we knew he had a flame coming into to school, you know, won the national three-point contest in, in high school his senior year. And uh, so we knew we knew that was going to be part of his game, shot 90% from the foul line, all that stuff in high school. But for him to have the ability to make plays off the bounce and not just scoring the basketball, he's made a bunch of really impressive passes this year when he's uh, gotten past the initial line of defense, gotten to the teeth of the defense, and then dropped off uh, passes to Big Z and others for, for baskets around the rim or even kickouts for threes. His passing ability is something that I think is, is often overlooked because you know, Braden and even Ethan to some degree get a lot of the headlines for their passing. Uh, Fletcher can really pass that thing too, and then he's got that, you know, ability to score at all three levels, which as a guard is just so paramount. If you want to hit your ceiling as a player, uh, you got to be able to score at the, at the rim. Uh, and he could do that with some impressive finishes. And then you got to be able to hit the mid range jumper or a floater. Uh, he hit a nice mid range jumper yesterday and has done that a couple times this year. And then you got to be able to shoot the three ball. And because he can shoot the three at such a high level, uh, he gets players closing out of him super hard uh, and obviously crowding him. And then he's good enough to put the ball on the floor going either direction to be able to uh, make plays, whether that's, you know, mid-range jumper, get to the rim, or, or, or distributing. So as a freshman, be able to play at this level, uh, like you said, you know, this is kind of something I feel like Ryan Klein was able to fall into as a senior. And for Fletch, basically, to have this already going for him as a freshman, it, it's big-time stuff. We're talking with uh, Bobby Riddell here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. So now tell me, you know, first, Dominus, Purdue's been – there's got to be, there's got to be an area that you can attack them, right? Uh, if you're game planning against Purdue, have, have you seen anything so far that you feel like, hey, this is an area of concern for the Boilermakers? They need to work on that because uh, a good team could come and exploit this kind of flaw. Jeez, what you want me to give away, like trade secrets to the opposition? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, you, is, have you have you at least seen like an area of concern? You're like, yeah, they probably need to pick it up in this area here, going down the line once we get to Big Ten play a hard time uh you know defensively we've been really good this year for the most part we had held every opponent to under 42 percent shooting from the field until yesterday uh, where minnesota actually shot 47 percent for the game and i definitely thought there were some stretches in that second half where uh defensively we weren't really locked in and certainly there were some tough shots that were made too during that stretch jamison battle is is a really tough shot maker cooper made a couple deep threes that were contested but i thought um maybe the sense of urgency and intensity wasn't there. And, and some of that is just human nature because you have such a sizable lead. And I think we saw that at some points early in the season too, in some of those initial home games where the intensity level defensively wasn't as high as you'd like. And, and some of that is understandable to some degree when you have such a comfortable lead, it's, it's hard to generate some of that um, intensity that's required. But uh, so, you know, I'd like to see the defense continue to improve and I think it will, um, 
But then offensively, man, it's, it's hard to nitpick too much from an offensive standpoint. We certainly haven't shot the three overall as well as I think we can. Uh, some of that's due to that two for 19 showing we had against Austin P. That's kind of dragging the numbers down quite a bit. But um, I think we were 33% from three coming into the game yesterday as a team. But if you would take that game out, which I know it's hard to just take a game out, but if you take that one bad game out, it was more like 36, 37, and then we shot 41% yesterday. So would like to see the three-point shooting continue to go up, as I think it will. But outside of that, it's hard to complain too much. Um, we, we kept the turnovers down yesterday, which was great to see, just seven as a team. So I think uh, if you're giving grades out, Purdue's you know, definitely grading really well as a team. Before I uh, let you go here, do you want to go ahead and uh, you, uh, toot your, your Harrison Horn here for a minute? They win the, uh, the IU Health Hoops Classic over the weekend by uh, a margin of 63-38, off to a 4-0 start. You want to, uh, you want to clap up uh, Mark Reiner's bunch real quick? Yeah, congrats to the Raiders. That's, uh, that was awesome to see them come out uh, victorious, you know, beat the arch rival west side along the way. Um, I got some good buddies that are over there on the West Lafayette coaching staff now. Um, and obviously Jacob Arzo, the former Harrison Raider, I'm sure he wanted to get that one pretty bad. That's a fun rivalry, of course, between um, Reinhardt and the Raiders and, and now those guys over at West Side uh, who have the Harrison ties, so that's kind of fun. But, yeah, b- big props to Reinhardt and, and that crew for able to you know, start out undefeated this season and, and get that championship. That was something uh, I wasn't able to get, what, able to win that championship when I when I played, so – it's fun to see Harrison uh, get it done now. Bobby Riddell again. Uh, catch him out with uh, our buddy Rob Blackman there on the radio call for your Purdue basketball games. He's got you covered. You're going to need him Wednesday night if you ain't got a ticket because it ain't on TV. So uh, make sure you tune in and listen to him uh, Wednesday night against Hofstra. Buddy, it's always a pleasure talking some hoops with you. Uh, I'm glad that you are uh, settling back into the Eastern time zone finally. And uh, thanks so much for your time today, bud. Yeah, no problem. It's definitely good to be home uh, for the most part here over the next couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on. Hey, welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer, 101.7 TheHammer.com. Big thank you to uh, Bobby Riddell, Bobby Buckets there. Uh, so excited about this basketball team and, and what they've been doing. Uh, the net rankings also out today. 3-0. and Three quad victories. That's the best part about uh, today's initial net rankings. Uh, Purdue has more than any other team in that category. They come in at third overall uh, behind Houston and UConn. Somehow Sam Houston State in the WAC is seventh. That's been like the everybody going, wait, what? What the heck's going on? <laughs> they're four and one, and they're seventh overall. That's pretty impressive. Two and one in the uh, quad one. I mean, that's what's that's really what's doing it for you. There's the quad one victory. So, yeah, right behind Houston and UConn coming at fourth overall in the uh, latest AP poll. And they look good yesterday. Like I told you there, uh, Zach Eady just took over that thing, didn't he? Look great. More rebounds than the entire Minnesota team. I got Purdue eight first round, uh, or I'm sorry, eight number one picks uh, votes today out of the AP, and they were just five behind number three Virginia. So awfully close there uh, to moving up just a little bit more, and really only what uh, sixty 
62 votes behind Texas. Texas taking on um, tomorrow night, taking on Illinois out there in Madison Square Garden. So that should be interesting. Although their uh, recent win over Creighton doesn't really help because, oh my gosh, did you see Nebraska beat Creighton? Absolutely blew my mind. And Creighton was a, uh, what were they, like seventh, I believe, at the time? I don't think they're still, uh, did they get dropped today? I haven't looked at the whole thing. No, they're down to 21, sorry. Uh, they dropped 14 spots, they're six and three, but still, dang, Nebraska. Other Big Ten teams uh, in the top 25 this week, including Purdue at four. Uh, you scroll down and you'll get Indiana dropping four spots down to 14 after that loss to Rutgers, 63 to 48. Uh, terrible job shooting the ball. I didn't realize Rutgers had such a disdain for that program. But yeah, I think that the hate you saw like Geo Baker talking smack on uh, a podcast about him and stuff too. I didn't realize it was that big of a thing. They're at 14. Maryland up nine spots to 13 thanks to their win uh, over the Illini who have dropped down one spot to 17 after that road loss to Maryland 71. Uh, to 66 over the weekend. And uh, Ohio State finds itself still sitting at uh, 25 after a 96-59 win uh, over St. Francis over the weekend. Iowa's knocking on the door with 70. They come in at uh, 26 there. Wisconsin has themselves 16 votes, uh, so getting uh, a little bit of props there. Michigan State with uh, three votes. Apparently nobody watched them last night lose to Northwestern. Talk about getting out of my doghouse. Northwestern, hello! I tried telling y'all that you weren't going to be able to sleepwalk through their games. They got embarrassed by Pitt in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And then I, I, I second-guessed myself. I said, you know what, maybe this team isn't as for real as I thought it was going to be. Lo and behold, they came back with it. And they got that upset last night. Good for them. I mean, Michigan State is, we always talk about this on the Boiler Basketball Show. I mean, we talked about this for years now. Is It's a team that you want to play in November, December. You do not want to play them in late January, early February, because that's when they figure it out. They always seem to figure it out. They're usually too much talent and too well coached. To not get it figured out down the stretch. But a 70-6-3 loss on your home court to Northwestern was definitely a statement by Northwestern. you got to give them that. It's a Northwestern team that plays good defense. Gave up 26 points in that second half. And that was basically the difference there. They went into halftime with a one-point difference differential. And then Northwestern comes out and outscores them 32-26 to in the second half. You know, Michigan loses to uh, Kentucky yesterday. I mean, I think Hunter Dickinson is a very good player. I don't think that he has the supporting cast around him that Michigan really needs. I think if we overshot our expectations for a team in the Big Ten, I think Michigan is a great, um, a, a great candidate for that award. Like, if you thought... Somebody that we underrated, I think you go with Northwestern, maybe Penn State, a team that we overrated so far. 
Michigan. Uh, maybe Michigan State will see five and four. The difference is when you look at you know the losses. The Arizona State loss not good for Michigan. Losing losing the Virginia at home in the Big Ten ACC challenge by two points. There's not a lot of shame in that. You, know, you lost to Kentucky, who's a top twenty program. Not a lot of shame in that. Michigan State lost to Gonzaga. They lost to Alabama, both ranked teams. Notre Dame came off their worst performance of the year. They were motivated. You lose that on the road, but then you lose at home to Northwestern, who, again, I, I think is a team on the rise here. I'm not quite ready to bury the Spartans. They'll go to Penn State here on uh, Wednesday. Let's see how that goes. But if they have a poor performance against Penn State, we start asking questions, what's wrong with the Spartans um, and uh, why they're struggling. I mean, look, a one-point win against Portland was not great. Four-point win against Oregon was, yeah, two points against Villanova. Like, there's just no separation here. They're, they're playing a tough schedule, don't get me wrong. But this is about time they start kicking in a little bit here. They've got a much more, you know, they're like everybody else through the holidays, they'll have a good schedule. But uh, at Penn State on Wednesday, Brown, Oakland, and Buffalo and then you come back for the new year, and you're at home against Nebraska, and then you've got Michigan. You would think that you need to show me something over those next six games for me to be a believer that they can figure this thing out down the stretch, or if this is a lost season for Tom Izzo and company. Five and four, definitely a candidate for the most overrated team that we had preseason uh, in the Big Ten. But I am also disappointed uh, in, in Michigan Equally, if not uh, more, and said Northwestern sitting at six and two. And finally, it's a, a somewhat of an impressive victory. Right, you, look, you didn't have beaten Michigan State, did you? It's a ranked opponent. I don't care if I feel like they're over, you know, overranked or what, but that's solid. Not to mention it was that one point game against Auburn on a neutral court. I thought was great. The rest of the, uh, uh, I mean, the the rest of the schedule's garbage. But at least a couple times they've been tested against uh, top 25 uh, opponents. They've showed up. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're the, uh, they're the top team of the Big Ten or top-tier team of the Big Ten, but I will tell you this. They're definitely in the middle, and that is not a show-up, play, and leave with a W uh, type of opponent. You are going to have to make sure you bring your A game to stifle the Wildcats because they had a little... I got a little taste there with that win over Michigan State on the road. Prairie View, DePaul, UIC Brown takes them to the holidays. New Year's Day at home against Ohio State. And then they get Illinois, another ranked team, at home three days later before they travel down to Bloomington. You want to know if they're for real? We'll see how they do with two home games and one road game against three straight ranked opponents there. That'll let you know exactly if they're for real or not. Right now, I think they're pretty, I think they're solid. If they take two out of three of those, can't really argue with it now, can you? We're going to take one more break here. Hang tight. We continue to watch and see if there's any details coming out of 3 p.m. meeting from uh, Jeff Brom and the players. If there's anything that breaks, we'll let you know. We'll keep an eye on that. Stay tuned. We'll come back with the things we missed and more here on 1017 The Hammer and 1017 The Hammer. Welcome back. It is the Hammerdown Show on 101.7 The Hammer. 101.7 The Hammer.com. I am Jared Jessalatis. Thanks for hanging out with me and uh, uh, 
spending a whole hour talking with some local sports. There's so much happening over the weekend, and so much of it got thrown out this morning uh, because of all of this uh, Jeff Brom possibly to Louisville talk, which is, you know, it's crazy. It's it's going to get inflated. There's going to be a lot of people saying that they uh, that they um, have some kind of source or some intel. Just wait. I know. It's not easy. It stinks. It is what it is. I, I told you. I, I thought in my gut that uh, I, I thought he would stay. I, I don't have any inside info or anything like that. I'm thinking that his brothers would all have to agree to go. I don't know if he would go without them. They may want to go. He may want to stay. I you got families you got to think about here. I do know this. Louisville's definitely calling. Louisville's uh, definitely putting in some kind of an offer. But, you know, he, he's got to make a decision sooner rather than later. Portal's open today. And you may have a number of players that want to find new homes if that's the case. I wouldn't blame them. Plus, you're shopping in the portal, too. You're trying to get some positions of need here. So, decisions have got to be made. Decisions have got to be made soon. I I do know that. We did tell you, too, a little bit earlier that, uh, you know, Spencer Holstage into, uh, into the portal, which was a huge blow. You heard Tom talk about it, called it shocking. Kobe Lewis into the portal. After that, you remember, he just came in from Central Michigan. He's on his way out. That's all we got in the portal right now. I would think that's good news. We'll see. You know, Louisville and their AD holding that presser today. Uh, DM Branch is going to be running the team for the uh, next couple of weeks as they go to that uh, uh, Fenway Bowl. No, nothing out of them, but you know he definitely made it sound like that they were interested in Jeff. That was a name on the list, but no commitment. I would say this: if Louisville was planning on having that today, and if Jeff Brom was going to be their coach, if that was a done deal, like some people seem to think that it already is. You know, maybe he has to tell his team first, wouldn't they have moved that presser back to this evening to make that announcement? So if it's going to happen, I don't know that it's necessarily done. And as Tom said, you know, it's not, I don't think it's about Purdue throwing more money at him or anything like that. It's probably not uh, the, the, the way to go here. So we'll wait and see. I hope he stays. I love what he's built so far. If he does decide to go, like Tom said, it's in a much better place than when he found it, and you can't ask for more than that. I guess except for him to stay, right? <laughs> uh, other things that we uh, may have missed. I-, I mentioned it just very briefly during the uh, the-, the Bobby interview, but uh, congratulations to uh, Harrison Boys Basketball, who uh, come home with the uh, IU Health uh, Boys Hoops Classic title over the weekend. Impressive victory for them. They're off to uh, an undefeated season here so far. It's early. 
But best of luck to Coach Reinert and company there. 63-38, to they win the final against Benton Central. A OT thriller on Friday night, 60-53 to uh, over West Lafayette. So uh, congratulations to them. They're going to take on Jeff here uh, this weekend. And then next week, it's a, uh, it's a matchup with McCutcheon. Harrison, tell you what, just going through all the big ones early here. So congratulations to the Raiders. Uh, that is awesome. That's going to do it for us here on the uh, Hammer Down Show. Big thank you to everybody for tuning in. I, I wish I had more Jeff Brom answers for you guys here today, because right? I know that's what you desperately want. Uh, but hopefully we'll have some more resolutions of that tomorrow. And if that news breaks, we'll make sure to let you know about that. Uh, we'll see you back here again tomorrow, 3 o'clock, for another Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017